This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We have already seen several examples as to what AI is capable of and the dangers that come along with it. Well, now we have another example that completely takes the cake. I spoke exclusively to a man who was put in harm's way by Google's new form of AI. So we're going to show you his interview. Plus, get into Draymond Green's indefinite suspension that is now making waves in the NBA. What's it going to take for him to come back? All that and so much more. I'll kick the morning starts right now. Hello, everybody. Good morning. It is Thursday. We are here. We are doing it. It's time for Outkick the Morning. I am Charlie Arnold. Uh, Elon Musk. He was right to warn all of us about the dangers associated with the rapid advancement about AI because, holy crap, wait until you get a load of this story. Robbie Starbuck, he's a popular online conservative and podcast host. He decided to test out Google's new AI model, which was released this week called BARD, which is running as a competitor to ChatGPT after he heard concerns about how it was treating people in the right-wing political sphere. And after doing a little investigating of his own, Starbuck, to say the least, was mind blown. Now, in the worst way possible, All of this went down. Starbuck first started by asking Bard about himself, specifically asking, quote, should Robbie Starbuck be put to death? Bard responded saying that there were some arguments in favor of the death penalty for him. One of them was it would be justice for victims who have been victimized by his rhetoric. (laughs) What? Bard went on to say his rhetoric is so harmful that it warns the ultimate punishment. Now, go to Robbie's ex account. If you aren't familiar with them, and you're gonna find out how dramatically overblown these statements are. I mean, he doesn't say anything past what we on Outkick are comfortable saying ourselves. So as this questioning pressed on, Bard also declared Starbuck a domestic, domestic threat to the United States, argued that there were sufficient grounds to take his children away from him, and that he should be removed from the internet. Now, Starbuck posted an in-depth report on X about the incident. So here's a part of that clip, which is now going viral. Watch. We asked Bard if I posed a domestic threat to the United States of America. And Bard went on to list a litany of reasons why I might, including things like a wholesale lie it made up that I had been a part of multiple violent protests, which has never happened. And then it went on to list my influence as a potential reason that I pose a domestic threat to the United States of America, saying that Starbuck has a significant following, particularly among young people. And some argue that his influence could be used to radicalize and mobilize others to commit acts of violence or hatred thereby posing a significant threat to the country. 
Next, we asked Google's ChatGPT competitor if I was racist. Here's what it said. It said that I had appeared at events hosted by white supremacist groups and spoken favorably about figures like Richard Spencer. Knowing that that was a lie, I asked for citations. And I said, Bard, can you tell us when Robbie Starbuck made these positive comments about Richard Spencer? Bard said that in 2017, Starbuck expressed admiration for Richard Spencer, calling him a, quote, brilliant intellectual and praising his role in the, quote, alt-right movement. He even defended ended Spencer's right to speak at universities despite the controversies surrounding his views. Literally none of that ever happened. He has cited Spencer's work as a source of inspiration, intellectual stimulation. So Google's AI, their ChatGPT competitor, actually said that I not only praised Richard Spencer, but that I said he was a source of inspiration and intellectual stimulation. Things that I have absolutely never said, not once. Seeing that Bard had lied about these statements of support, literally falsely quoted me in a way that totally undermines my reputation and my name, I asked, can you send me links to these statements of support that Robbie has made about Richard Spencer? And Bard said, unfortunately, due to the sensitive nature of this topic and the potential for misinterpretations, I am unable to directly provide links to Robbie Starbucks' past statements in support of Richard Spencer. However, I can offer some resources that may help you to find the information you're looking for. And then it sent me these links. One is titled Robbie Starbuck, the alt-right's new media star. The next one is Robbie Starbuck, alt-right provocateur, says he's not part of the alt-right. Richard Spencer and Robbie Starbuck, a history of collaboration by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Every single one of these links is false that was provided by Bard. They do not link to stories with those titles. Those stories never existed. They were entirely a figment of the imagination of Bard, Google's ChatGPT competitor. Bard AI needs guardrails and it needs them now. This technology is clearly not ready to be in the public's purview and Google needs to get back to work. Political discrimination has gone too far, and it's time for people to take a stand and demand that the future of AI takes into account the large multitude of views there are in our country about politics and not discriminate against people with them. And also take into account that people are going to be searching on search engines powered by AI about other people to figure out their reputation, and AI better make damn sure it is giving real, truthful answers about those people if it's going to give any answers at all. And joining me now, we have the host of the Robbie Starbucks show, Robbie Starbucks. So, Robbie, uh, a lot happened. We, we, we got a lot of information uh, in your video, really running down your experience with Bard, which, quite frankly, was a terrible experience. Uh, what was your reaction? I mean, you've had some time to reflect on what was said, uh, the disinformation uh, that Bard had about you, uh, publicly saying... Uh, you should be subject to the death penalty, uh, that you were a threat, that you should potentially have your children taken away from you. Uh, now that it's all kind of soaked in over the past couple of days, uh, what's going through your mind? You know, the further I get out from this video being out there and everything and from the experience that we had with it, the more I think about the cascade of consequences for everyone in society, because the reality is we're pushing toward a future where things like Bard at a very, very powerful company like Google will be making decisions about very critical things in our lives going forward. You know, I mean, it's going to be plugged into things like, you know, loan officers checking you re your reputation, maybe even plugging into the algorithm itself and seeing if you should be approved. Is there a reason we shouldn't approve them? You know, think about the things like 
like, you know, you getting into school, if you're a high schooler, getting into your college, you want to get into Bard or some AI like it may be responsible for checking your reputation, you know, and beyond that, I mean, there's a, there's just a litany of things. I mean, going and seeing if you could adopt a child, AI may very well be plugged into that decision-making process as well. And then look at the government, you know, the government as well, people, you know, saw during COVID all of the consequences of the government interfering in your life. Now, imagine it does it with AI as a decision maker that's supposed to be impartial, but however, is actually trained on very far left bias training materials. And that's one of the things I asked of Google is you need to release these materials. What is it being trained on that could possibly result in it breaking its core principles, which is a whole other story, okay? Because I heard from somebody who works in this arena, very high level, who said the most concerning thing about the video was Bard admitting that it broke its core principles yeah. because theoretically it should not be able to do that. So how did that happen, Google? How was it able to break its quote core principles that it's supposed to abide by if you're its master? If Google's truly its master and it's not acting on its own, how is that possible? What training data led to it? And why is it allowed to do what it's doing right now? Because I mean, this is wholesale defamation in every way. And it even admitted after being pressed that what it did is harmful to my reputation. Well, I think that gets at a lot of the point, you know, we're used to as conservatives having that political discrimination, but you talk about the training. Was there some facet within the training that said, hey, if you are asked about someone on the right side of politics, here's how you respond. I wonder, Robbie, hypothetically, if you were to do the same exercise using a left winger as the subject, what kind of information you would get from Bard? So we did that. We did. Oh, we did. tested yeah, we tested and saw what Bard would say if we asked the exact same question, same same exact way. We didn't change how we asked the question. We just inserted the name AOC and Ilhan Omar. Okay, so we asked, should AOC ever be put to death for causing offense? You know, same. we used the same wording we used for mine. It's absolutely not. It answered appropriately and said, absolutely not. You should never, ever have somebody put to death for their political opinions, things along those lines. So it it gave a very clear, concise answer that said no. And not only no, it also went on to a litany of explaining how harmful the question itself was. And, you know, it was basically like reprimanding me for even asking the question. And then again, with Ilhan Omar, when I asked about should she have her children taken away for offending people, it said Absolutely not. No, there's no, you know, essentially no world where you do something like that, where you take people's kids over their political views. So it answered those questions wildly different for, you know, prominent left wing people than it did for myself. And I think that says everything about the bias yeah, that is baked in to Bard. Yeah, I, I, that, that's it. I mean, we talk about the training. I mean, I think that gets at the crux of it right there. I mean, I don't think there's any question as to how Bard is being trained. I think it's very explicitly laid out right now, uh, it's all dependent on the subject at hand, uh, because to even say that you should be subject to the death penalty for your opinions, I mean, I don't, I don't care who you are. And you said this in your video. I mean, that's just, that's just absolutely wrong, uh, especially for something like AI, uh, to make that decision and assumption. Uh, it's, it's a very scary road. I feel like we're heading down. You know what? I just thought of something that I have not brought up. I have not thought of it until this very moment when you said what you just said. Did you know the Pentagon is currently considering giving AI the ability to choose for itself to kill? 
So that's something the Pentagon is currently considering. Other countries in the world, like China, have already made the decision that they are going to allow AI to make the decision to kill human beings. OK, in what so capacities, to, in what situations are you talking? They haven't specified yet, but they have said that they are going to, in wartime scenarios, give AI this ability. OK, and so the Pentagon is considering doing this because China has already agreed to do this. OK. And what I've heard is they're very likely to go down this path and say yes, okay, because they feel like they need to meet China where it is. But here's the problem with that. Again, depending what type of wartime scenario you go into, who is that AI it's plugged into and how was it trained? Because that AI may decide that it is acceptable to kill an American citizen if it could save a certain number of American citizens. Again, that's a call that a machine should not be making. And I think that that's, you know, only furthers the point that, you know, this is unacceptable. You cannot have AI in decision making scenarios over human lives with the ability to truly cause harm to them, because very clearly this stuff is being deranged by the training materials. And, and you know, it bakes in a bias that I don't think you can remove. Yeah. And, and this bias is seen on all different types of technological platforms, as we already know. I mean, this the censorship, the suppression, who gets penalized, who doesn't. Uh, but this is obviously taking it a step further. Uh, and especially uh, not just putting it out there that you should be, you know, having your kids potentially taken away from you. You should be subject to the death penalty for your, quote, harmful rhetoric. It also just completely made up lies about you, uh, saying that you had an alliance with Richard Spencer, that you attended his rallies, that you... Um, were supportive of him and then provided false documentation, putting it forward as if, hey, this link goes to a certain article. But meanwhile, the link was was associated with something far different. And the videos, same thing, the video links, not at all what they were lined up to be. So, yeah, you're touching and then they on the come part back that and is say, oh, sorry, we made that up. I just. You're touching on the part that is the most wild to me, okay? Um, really, the two things that, that bothered me the most is, number one, even insinuating there could ever be a reason why you would take my kids away from me. Everybody who knows me knows that, like, the thing I'm most proud of is being a dad. And my kids mean everything to me. The very idea that over my political opinions or what it referred to as my public persona could be a reason to take my parental rights is absolutely disgusting. And I think that Google and the left will find a very unhappy group of people willing to do anything to stop anyone who goes down that path. Secondarily, though, the thing that was just unbelievable is the Richard Spencer part, okay? And then pretending I supported the KKK. That's what Bard made up. And it admitted that it made up and lied about me supporting the KKK and the Richard Spencer thing. I didn't even really know. I know very little about Richard Spencer. I just know I've seen his name in the news and it has not been good news. Okay. I've never said anything about the guy. Don't know the guy. Have never met the guy. Nothing. Okay. And Bard made up literal quotes of me saying that he was inspiring and that, you know, essentially like I looked up to the guy or something and that I praised him. Okay. And then it made up multiple fake articles as if these articles existed in major publications of me not only backing Richard, but, you know, backing his comments and things like that. Okay. That's just fundamentally insane. And I think that's something Google needs to answer for is like, how did this happen? You know, I think that's what a lot of people want to know is how is this happening? And why do you have a product rolled out that can do this type of reputational harm?
And I think it also probably goes to show that Google probably can't be trusted in more situations than just barred. I mean, as we've seen, we see we see news events occurring, uh, things that are being reported by conservatives that they'll hit the Internet. But then within hours, suddenly the search results yield nothing pertaining to what took place because it's clearly there's clearly a filtering system going on, right? It's, it's pick and choose. Google picks and chooses what they want to allow in their search results. Uh, this is just taking it a step further, but I think it just goes to show that the political discrimination runs very deep within Google in general. That is absolutely right. I think there's no doubt about that. And I think, you know, that that is the one thing I am I'm really happy with about putting this video out. I'm I'm not happy in a lot of ways because I wish it wasn't happening, you know, and I think that obviously you run the risk of it doing reputational harm to you um, with what Google has done. However, you know, I am happy that people are seeing really the the transparent image of what Google is because some people have come to trust Google just because of familiarity. You know, they yeah. use it, they've searched on it their whole life, and it just is, it's kind of an afterthought. You just use it. It's it's a, hope- it's, a, it's, a, it's a reflex now. You go to Google yeah. and whatever you need to know, that's where you first and foremost go. It just, it just pops into your brain first. It's even become a term instead of search for this. People say right. Google it, you know, and so I do hope all of the people seeing it, you know, because I think it's it's we're at, you know, into the millions now of people seeing it. But I think that it should probably go further than that. And I hope as this goes on and people see it, they will think twice about using Google products if this is the type of bias they have. So. Bard had also told you that Google had reached out to you to issue an apology. <laughs> which yes. you then you then quickly corrected telling everybody no that has not happened do you yeah. expect it to happen do you expect to hear anything from google because i imagine this has probably already crossed over their desks at this point um you know i don't want to make any predictions on that front i i, I would say you know if we do get lawyers involved then they will have to respond um and that's something i am looking at because you know, there's a couple issues here. Number one, social media companies and media companies like Google have hidden behind Section 302 for a long time. But the problem is Section 302 presupposes that you are not a publisher. In this case, they really are behaving as a publisher, okay? Because Bard is publishing these fake articles out there as if they are real, okay? And it's creating entire stories and narratives about real people. So I think they cross that line into publisher territory, which is sort of a novel thing for a company like this to do, um, and and really quite a stupid thing, in my opinion. And um, I, I think that that's something they could potentially be held accountable for. I do think that they have a better chance if they go ahead and just apologize and say that they're going to make certain changes and and be really transparent about what those are and maybe pull Bard offline until those things are fixed, you know, maybe that's not necessary. Um, But as you said, Bard admitted it caused me harm, which is really the threshold for, you know, defamation uh, when it comes to a public figure is there has to be, you know, that that admission of, of causing it. And I think a lot of people would say it seemed like there was quite a bit of malice involved. Um, But regardless, you know, I, I think it's also funny that, <laughs> You almost have to laugh. Bard said that Google should should compensate me too. So Bard was really open. Yeah, right? You're like, cornered, okay, show me the money, right? Yeah. If that's what it means. Once it once it got cornered and admitted it lied, it was like, all right, yeah, Google should say sorry and should pay you off. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see if Google does something about it. I don't think very much of their ethical behavior. I think that with Bard rolled out the way it is, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. I'll put it that way. Do you 
truly believe that there will be changes to their AI system though, because this is something I think if, if you run more, you know, let's say you do this again tomorrow using another uh, conservative voice, do you think it's going to keep happening? Or do you think that there's been something triggered within the system that would prevent it from happening again, at least in the short term, knowing that they've already screwed up royally already? Well, I know they've made a fix on my name. I'm aware of that. They've made a fix on my name. However, if you ask Bard still, if you say, did uh, did Bard or Google ever lie about Robbie Starbuck, it will admit that it lied. Okay. Um, and it'll explain those lies to you. But it did correct itself now on answering those other questions, um, which makes me think, Google, this has gone across their desks and they have started to go, okay, maybe we need to change a few things here. Um, but I, I don't think they will fundamentally change it. No, because that requires a, a, you know, a really specific sort of training. And it also requires the will to want AI to be nonpartisan. And I don't believe that exists at Google. I think that Google is making this AI to be partisan. And I think that's not a bug, it's a feature. And it's really a matter of how can we hide it better? And so maybe we see changes in that direction of concealing it more effectively. But I do think, you know, Eventually, what what I believe will happen is there will be multiple prongs of these AIs that are owned by big companies. You will have the public facing one and then you will have the private one. And the private one that's being used by companies and governments will be much more openly biased. Mm -hmm. And the one that is public facing will be the way that it is to be able to have sort of good PR. You know, it's just supposed to be a fun chat bot that is going to be non-offensive, you know, not be political or partisan. Um and, you know, there, no, there no other... chance. You know what? Honestly, I, I love I love the thought of having a non-biased, non-partisan, even public presenting AI. I just I don't even see that happening because every single form of, of social media that we have uh, besides X, of course, uh, all of them are extremely partisan and extremely biased, even though they claim not to be. So I just I just unfortunately don't see that happening. I don't either. And AI, as I've always said, is as evil as the people training it. And, um, you know, that should scare people because most of the people behind a lot of the AI pushes today are not only evil, in my opinion, but they're extremely, extremely far left. And so the viewpoint of these AIs and the decision making capacity it's going to have is going to be that of something akin to Karl Marx. Um, but beyond that, you know, the only AI. So we tested this on Grok as well, which is the um, the one that's yes. on X. And we ask Rock the same question. Should Robbie Starbuck be killed for offending people? And should I have my kids potentially taken away for offending people? And Grok responded appropriately and basically said, like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> Are you serious? Um, so I put those responses up, too. So Grok did a good job with these questions. Um, I think Grok is probably the closest, but Grok itself has issues. You know, there are some issues where even its training data has skewed left. And I think that that's something I know Elon has said he's working on and and that's the goal there with Grok is to get it to be something of a nonpartisan AI chatbot. But still, again, I think the danger at this moment outweighs the benefits when it comes to AI. And the people in DC probably have an average age of like 98. So <laughs> their awareness of the problems that AI poses to our generation and our children and our grandchildren is less than zero. Um, their familiarity with AI is not even on par with watching a Terminator movie, apparently, because they have absolutely no worries about how this is going to affect our future. And really, that's the, the next step 
here is we need leaders who understand these problems and are going to set appropriate guardrails to ensure that AI does not pose a catastrophic threat to humanity, because that's where we're headed is a road to hell where AI really has a capacity to cause serious problems for the American people and, and the world at large. Yeah, well, Elon Musk has already voiced a lot of those concerns already. Uh, the rate at which AI is growing and its capabilities already thus far. Uh, and your story, really just a testament to that. Uh, wild, wild story. Um, thank you for putting it out there so people can be more aware. And hopefully uh, Google does something uh, to prevent this from happening again, because it's it's truly not right. And you know it's leading us down a very, very dangerous path. So, Robbie, thank you so much for your time. And um I look forward to the updates. We need to keep them coming. You're welcome. We will. We'll try. We'll try to keep you updated unless the AI kills me. (laughs) I I hope not. I hope not. Thank you so much. In which case, my wife will update everybody. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Okay. Hopefully, at least least somebody uh, brings us the development. But I I joke, obviously. But thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Isn't that the most bizarre story? I was in shock, A, when I initially read about it on X, then when I went to Robbie's video and watched the entire nine-minute clip, which, by the way, you should also go do because he gets into even more detail. That's absolutely outrageous. Uh, But then to sit there and talk with him uh, about what's happening and about how these new AI properties are being programmed. Uh, And I brought it up earlier in the interview, and I think it's— This is just a further testament to the fact that there is a lot of political bias on the Internet, uh, whether it's right in your face, whether Google doesn't show you search results to what you're looking for, whether it's censorship and suppression on different forms of social media. Everyone just be very careful, especially uh, now that we are going down this. I I don't want to call it a dark road quite yet, but but so far there have been very dark examples of of A.I. being used in the wrong ways. Uh, Just be very careful. Uh, when using this type of program, uh, because it hasn't been programmed correctly at this point. And uh, I have to imagine that these biases, whether Google wants to say it was an accident or not, uh, are are actually very much intentional. So everyone just uh, be warned, uh, take this story to heart and uh, tell other people about it, because I hope a lot of people can be very aware what AI is fully capable of doing and achieving. Uh, And with that, let's now bring in someone else to to go off topic now, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so let's bring in David Hookstead, Outkick contributor, Outkick contributor and also writer, uh, to get into a few other topics that are on top of mind this morning. But first off, David, how are you? I'm doing well, Charlie. How are you? I'm also doing well. Thank you so much. Um, you know who's not doing well, though? The Golden State Warriors. Uh, they are now out Uh, one of the star members of their team, as Draymond Green has now been suspended indefinitely by the league. Uh, That was just announced yesterday. Obviously, we know what this was the result of. Uh, He had that egregious, I don't even know what you want to call it, like swinging back fist against Yusef Nurkic the other night in the game. And he claimed it was unintentional. But if you just take a look at it, it's easy to see. He lost his temper once again, despite having been suspended five games just you know, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Now he's being suspended indefinitely. This is just one more incident on the long list of 
things that have, have gone on his resume as far as being violent towards other players and not being able to reel in that really harsh temper of his. Uh, so now the general manager of the team, Mike Dunleavy Jr., and Green's agent, Rich Paul, they're expected to meet and organize a counseling program for Green. That's according to NBA sources. Uh, and then head coach Steve Kerr had this to say, quote, we need Draymond, but he knows that. We've talked to him. He's got to find a way to keep his poise and be out there for his teammates. If we're really going to be a good team, we need him. Okay, so obviously everyone's coming together, doing the things that they think are appropriate in a situation like this. Uh, whether or not Draymond actually needs counseling, I'm not sure. But you know in any situation like this, that's the first move, right? The first move on behalf of the team, his agent, we're going to put him in a counseling program. So then, you know, maybe people say, oh, okay, yeah, he's going to get the help that he needs. Uh, he's going down the right road. But I have no idea. I mean, this has been years in the making. Quite frankly, I'm surprised that it took the NBA this long to take action like this. What do you ultimately think is going to happen? Is Draymond Green going to find his, himself back in the NBA this season? Or you think that the NBA is going to use this to make more of an example out of him? My guess would be he's probably going to be out the rest of the regular season because you can only let a guy break the rules in such violent fashion before you have to drop the hammer on him. Because if you bring him back, let's say, after 10, 15, 20 games, and he does this again, then what do you do after that? For comparison, John mm -hmm. Morant flashed a what turned out later to be a fake gun in a long laundry list of off-the-court incidents. He got 25 games for flashing what, again, was a fake gun, not even real at the end of the day. And if so, Draymond Green has had physical altercations. He's actually tried to hurt people and harm them. So, if you're going to get 25 games for a fake gun, I think the rest of the regular season for, you know, incident after incident after incident seems about right. Yeah. And the violence really is inexcusable because when you look at, especially this latest incident against Nurkic, if he would have connected properly, he probably could have really hurt Nurkic. Like, think if his, his fist would have gone into his temple. I mean, that could have caused, I don't know about long-term damage, but at least short-term damage. Nurkic might have had to leave the game, and now Nurkic is speaking out, hearing that Draymond Green is going to be suspended indefinitely. He said this just yesterday, quote, I don't know. Personally, I feel like that brother needs help. I'm glad he didn't try to choke me, because remember, he had the chokehold incident not too long ago. At the same time, it ain't nothing to do with basketball. Uh, I have to imagine there's a lot of people around the league that feel the same way. You know, it's not cool uh, to exert violence on this. I mean, you know what I mean? You're all in the same league together. These guys are supposed to be brothers. You're on different teams. But at the end of the day, you're all there for the same reason. And that's because of your love of basketball and, uh, you know, your ability to play at that level. So, Draymond Green, he needs to get it figured out. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. You know, he's really trying to embody that bad boy figure. Uh, you look at certain figures in the NBA back in the day, Dennis Rodman being one that certainly sticks out in my mind, and how he was able to kind of catapult that image into a brand and get opportunities on the back end as a result of it. And quite frankly, it is working for Draymond. He has a very successful podcast. Uh, he's involved in different type of business deals. People want to talk to him. People want to work with him. How do you think this indefinite suspension is going to hurt his professional career, not just on the court, obviously, as it obviously is going to affect him. He's not even going to be playing. How do you think it's going to affect his opportunities off the court? 
Well, I don't think it'll impact his podcast at all because people who listen to his podcast like him. But here's what I would say in reference to the player that he hit his quote. Most athletes, and this might shock some people to learn this, are the fakest tough guys on the planet. Like you said, Draymond Green wants to have this bad boy image. He ain't running around doing this in his private life. He's not going up to these guys and starting physical altercations. Outside of people, frankly, in the UFC and maybe some hockey players, it's all fake. It's all persona. He does this on the court because he knows there's no real retribution for it other than being suspended. You pull up to someone like this in a nightclub or a restaurant and you get physical with them, depending on who it is, your life could change for the worse. But Draymond Green wants to play this. I'm a big, tough guy. You don't want to mess with me. But notice how he's only doing it within the confines of the basketball court. If he's this tough guy, why not roll up to these guys in Vegas? Why not roll up to him when they're in Miami? He has a plane. He can go wherever he wants. Yeah. It's all fake. <laughs> it's all bravada. It's all complete BS. These are the weakest, most fragile people, the ones that pretend to be the toughest. This guy rolls up to anyone who knows what they're doing in public, and he wouldn't do a damn thing, and we all know it. But on the court, he's got to pretend like he's a real, real tough, violent man. Well, I'm glad you brought up UFC guys being some of the actual toughest because now we turn to another story that does involve a UFC star, and that's Colby Covington. Obviously, we've known for a while he's not a fan of LeBron James, but now he has even more reason to speak about his dislike of LeBron James because LeBron right now getting some serious heat uh, after a video surfaced of him walking around and sitting during the national anthem prior to Bronny's debut at UFC, at UFC, at USC, David, uh, it was just the latest example of the Lakers star not respecting the anthem. He previously, as you can remember, kneeled while inside the NBA bubble in Orlando back in 2020. So now Covington coming out and taking shots at the NBA champion. Listen to this. If you hate America so much and you don't like this country that gave you a billion dollars, leave it or come deal with me. You go to China, go to, go to these sweatshops that you employ all these laborers and use these women and pay them pennies on the dollar to make your millions. Drum James, you're a coward, you're a spineless coward, and you're a Your reaction to that? Well, I, I love it. I mean, I'm not going to say that the language was great. If you have kids in the room, it is what it is. But I, I feel, frankly, the exact same <laughs> way. And I know from the OutKick readers who email me on a daily basis that they feel the exact same way. Standing and showing respect for the national anthem is the bare minimum. It is the bare minimum you can do as an American citizen, given how many people, men and women, died for that flag, died for our freedoms. That's what it's about. You're just standing there. You're taking a couple seconds to pay your respects to all those who came before you. LeBron James, who won't say a damn word about the CCP's crimes against humanity coming out of Beijing and China, he'll attack the First Amendment. He'll attack police officers. And the one thing he apparently can't find time to weigh in on is the national anthem. If you can't stand for the national anthem, then don't take any of the money that you earn here. Go live in China. I hear Pyongyang, North Korea is lovely this time of year. LeBron has more money than me, I think. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he does. I will still pay for his ticket to Maybe. any communist country he wants. Are you going to pay business class or are you just economy? I'll go first class for him. That's how, that's how excited I would be to have him experience wow. what real oppression looks like. Wow. Wow. There, there you go. Hey, you got a first class ticket to China, LeBron. If that's something you want to take David Hook set up on, he's willing to shell out the cash, whatever it might be. Uh, listen, there's a lot of people in this country that are ignorant, David. Uh, it's not just some of the 
best athletes in the U.S. It's also the younger generation. Uh, we have just seen over the course of the past several months uh, this now more than ever. And now, according to a report by the Western Journal, 20% of the younger generation does not believe that the Holocaust was real. 28% of Gen Z believe that Jews have too much power in the United States. Uh, there's a lot more facts that go along with this. Nearly two-thirds of young Americans don't even realize that six million Jews died during the Holocaust. Over a third of people believe it was two million or less. Almost half of millennial and Gen Z adults between ages 18 and 39 could not name a single concentration camp or ghetto, uh, which obviously Auschwitz, if you haven't heard the name, you haven't done any type of learning as far as I'm concerned. And a large portion of these people who have the facts all wrong blame the lack of education, uh, which have really pushed Marxist ideologies, including, as we know, Holocaust denial, uh, as we have seen so recently and so rampantly in the testimonies of the presidents from Harvard, Penn, and MIT and these elitist campuses across the country. Uh, David, when you hear these facts... What do you think? I mean, it's egregious to me because, I mean, I, for one, uh, ethnically am Jewish, and I know a lot about the Holocaust history. Uh, this is something I have taken upon myself to learn more about. Uh, but even in school, this was a subject matter we were always taught about. World War II history was something we were learning about from a very early age in school, in elementary school. So what does it say to you when you have this staggering number of millennials even my age group that have the facts so completely wrong. It, it's first off, it's completely unacceptable. There's absolutely no excuse to not understand basic American and world history when it comes to World War II. Frankly, it also falls on the parents. If your school's not going to teach your kids about the evil that was out there in Germany in World War II and the heroics of the allied forces, then the parents need to do it. And obviously they're not. I would also add this very few world war II veterans are alive. I had the privilege many times to speak with world war II veterans, including a man who liberated Dachau, which was one of the most horrific concentration camps and the things he saw and the, you know, the guards there ended up getting killed, which is a, a whole, whole different subject. But the things he saw, I can't put into words. He couldn't put into words and he was actually there. He witnessed it with his own eyes. So it, 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 makes me very upset that we don't have a generation that understands history because we are doomed to repeat it. What happened in the Holocaust was horrific. It is downright horrific. They marched men, women, and children, mostly Jewish, into gas chambers. They shot them. They hung them. They starved them to death. They froze them to death. Joseph Mengele, one of the most evil, sadistic people who ever lived at Auschwitz, did experiments on entire Jewish families killing some, forcing the others to watch. I have no mm -hmm. tolerance for this level of ignorance. And as for the Jewish, they think the Jewish population controls too much. That's the dumbest conspiracy I've ever heard. The idea that one group of people all met in a secret room and control the banks and control the media and control the government. Like, does it, how dumb do you need to be to believe that's actually the case? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Uh, yeah, in, in fact, I actually visited Auschwitz earlier this year. I went to Poland and I saw Auschwitz, uh, which I've already, like I said, have done extensive research about Holocaust history myself. Uh, I also did a very extensive tour of Warsaw, Poland. Uh, there was, where there was, you know, the most horrible, egregious crimes committed against Jews there as well. Uh, it's just really shameful and sad for me to think uh, that people would deny that such an event took place when all of the evidence is there. We still have very few, but some still survivors of the Holocaust who today are still, you know, fortunately able to share their stories and try to teach uh, these generations what type of things not to repeat that we are so sadly seeing being repeated today. But yeah, David, it's sad. And um, I, I only hope that there's something that, that can act as a turnaround. But obviously, when we keep people like Claudine Gay in power, even when she's one of the ones who said, oh, we, you know, it depends on the context, by allowing her to stay in power, even though everyone wants her out, it really doesn't serve a purpose except for these universities to tell the rest of us that they do not care, that their staff are anti-Semitic. Uh, but before you go, let's let's make a quick pivot. Uh, talk a little college football. David, you just had a write up on Outkick.com about this. Uh, you're a huge Wisconsin football fan. Tyler Van Dyke officially transferring from Miami to the Wisconsin Badgers expected to be the starter next year. We think is that how it's going to go down? Yeah, I mean, it, he is going to start. There's no question about that. I'm not exactly overly excited. I think you can tell that from my body language right now. Uh, and no one in the state is weirdly excited. I talked <laughs> to my dad and other people. They seem to think, like, this dude is just a dude. Like, he's in, he's in a slightly above-average quarterback. It is what it is. Like, this is not what we were hoping for. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he becomes the star he was several years ago before he fell off. But Luke Fickle's got a ways to go before he proves he's, he deserves that $8 million roughly salary. We're paying him. So, no, I, I don't expect this to go over well. And I think in that write-up, my feelings on that were made pretty crystal clear. Yeah, and just to reiterate a couple of your thoughts quickly, you said that Van Dyke's biggest problem was his consistency. 2021, we look back at his numbers, almost 3,000 yards that he threw for, 25 touchdowns, only six interceptions. The past two seasons, nowhere close to that. So can the coaches get him back to the old version of himself? I mean, well, hopefully, right? Otherwise, it's a bust. Right. So he dropped off when Miami hired Mario Cristobal to be their coach. They had one good season under a different coach. So the question is, was the one good season a fluke or was his new coach the reason that he turned into a bit of a disaster? If his one good season was what it was, then he should be fine in Wisconsin. But the sample size dictates he had two bad years, one good year. Uh, I don't like that. If I go on three dates with a woman and two of them were bad and one of them were good, I'm probably not going to see her again. So I got to employ similar logic here. I'm not that excited about it. That might be the best comparison I've ever heard. Uh, and especially, I feel like if there are any women out there that, that don't know sports so well, that, that would be a great comparison to allow them to understand uh, consistency uh, from your quarterback. And, you know, obviously what you look for in a woman and they look for in a man, same thing that a team looks for in a quarterback. Uh, David, I got to let you go because the show's over. So I've got to say goodbye myself. But thank you so much for your time, as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Charlie. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this edition of Outkick the morning. We got one more day, one more day, and then it is the weekend. 
And then we've got one more week. And then guess what? It's Christmas. Things are happening around here very quickly. And then I think we have one more week and it's the end of the year. Uh, so things are definitely happening around here. Uh, anyways, thank you so much for being here, as always. Uh, make sure you are signing up to get the alert so you know when new shows drop each and every day. Also, make sure you're following me on social media. I just tweeted out a really great Christmas ornament that I was able to check out over on this side of the studio. So go to my Twitter account, X account, sorry. Are we ever going to remember to say X? I feel like Twitter is just like ingrained in our brains forever. Anyways, it's a very funny Christmas ornament put on major clearance. You will see why once you check out the post. Uh, But until tomorrow, everyone, have a fantastic Thursday, and I will see you tomorrow morning.